Everyone remain standing. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And today we're continuing with part two of the sermon series. It's entitled, Better Together. Subtitled, Answering the Call. Answering the Call. And uh, we're going to jump into the Word of God, which gets the highest uh, precedence of, of worship. Amen. Everything leads us to the Word of God. And it's all about the Word and uh, allowing the Word to get into our hearts and lives. In Luke chapter 10, verse 30, we're going to look at people who answered the call and people who ran from the call this morning. And if you're running from the call of God on your life, I want you by the end of this service to stop and uh, get right with God, amen, and answer the call. Don't run from the call, run to the call. Luke chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus answering and said, a certain, everybody say certain. What puts us in remembrance that this is not just a parable is how the word certain is used. There was a certain person that had a name, they had an identity. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So Jericho was about, was east of Jerusalem and it was on a, as far as elevation level, it was a downward grade down to Jericho. And this man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and they wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest. Everybody say priest. We'll jump into that in just a moment. But... Uh, that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. The religious will pass by on the other side. And that's what this priest did. They didn't want to get their hands dirty, amen? But I'm telling you, people need the church involved in this hour. They need to see um, people having compassion towards them. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and he passed by on the other side. But a certain, here's a certain, Samaritan. A particular Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had, everybody say compassion. He had compassion on him. You may be seated. Please keep your Bibles open. And uh, the tragedy of 9-11 took place 20 years ago yesterday. How many remember where you were exactly when you heard about 9-11? They say that is true for uh, the vast majority of all the Americans and, and people in life. They knew exactly, you remember exactly. I was in southern Peru, and I was with uh, Ed Suro, who was in the early service, and another brother, three pastors. We had flown to southern Peru, and uh, we were preaching a pastor's conference, and I can remember being seated in that room and one of the other three were, were uh, teaching that particular moment and all of a sudden someone burst into the room and said there's been a tragedy in America and uh, we quickly ran to an adjacent apartment. There was a little black and white television in southern Peru and we were able to see the second plane when it flew into uh, the towers. And uh, people remember that like they remember where they were and what they were doing when President uh, Kennedy was assassinated. And uh, that's just something that sticks in your mind. But w no one could believe what was taking place. 
the, uh, the thing was so massive, so vivid with images of terror and horror, and that our enemies could strike us like they did. As tens of thousands of people fled the area, our nation's first responders ran to the disaster. They came to the call. They heard the call, and the call went out, and they ran towards it. 2,819 people were killed that day. Of that, 366 first responders, firefighters, and police. And I want us to just give a hand to the remembrance of all of those first responders that gave the ultimate that day. Thank God for volunteers that began to answer the call for help. And over the next few days, so much help was, uh, was brought about from, from people uh, just wanting to be there to help out. But today we owe a great debt of, data, of gratitude to all of those who serve in the, the line of service. And, and uh, they, they lay their lives on the, on the line in many different ways. And I know we've done it two or three times, but we can do one more time. Just an applause for all of the first responders that serve in any capacity. The Bible says in Romans 13, 7, pay honor to whom honors do. And they answer the call each and every day as they serve our city, as they serve in many different capacities. America cannot ever bend or bow to her enemies. Our freedoms have been costly down through the years. And many people have answered the call and given and paid the ultimate uh, with their life. And I want to honor the the 13 soldiers that gave their life recently in Afghanistan. And I want us to just show an, an appreciation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Go to the Old Testament, to the book of Jonah. Everyone... Look and find Jonah real quick because I want to talk to you about someone who ran from the call of God. We have people today we're honoring that run to the call, and yet it says in Jonah chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Listen. God is looking for a man that he can send to a city that was known in that part of the world and uh, in that history. Uh, it, Nineveh was a great city, was well known. It was a powerful city, and, uh, and yet it was a wicked city. And God said, I've got to destroy. Their wickedness has come up before me. And so there comes a tipping point. Everybody say tipping point. There comes a tipping point. When the sins of an area, the sins of a city, the sins of a nation get to a place that God's got to bring judgment. And God's not willing that any should perish, so what does he do? He wants to reveal mercy. He wants to reveal uh, grace to the city of even Nineveh that was a vile. If you study the history, Nineveh was a vile, vile city. It was a very wicked city. And the wickedness had come up before God. I want you to know that the wages of sin still produce death that God is not happy with sin. Listen, our basis for how we live our lives cannot be psychology today, cannot be what 
someone told us or someone uh, has taught us, our basis for how we live our lives has got to be the Word of God. Oh, now I'm going to come over and say amen to myself over here. Hey, we've got to get our living from the Word of God. What God says is right has got to come from the Word. What God says is wrong has got to come from the Word. Amen? Come on, church. We, we cannot afford to, to build a society. Pastor Jordan uh, shared a powerful thought on that last week. When you see the demise of the nations down through the history of mankind, it's because they took certain pathways. And when we take certain pathways, the wages of sin is going to produce death. And that's why we've got we've to get the sin out of our own lives. Amen. And we've got to get the sin out of our nation. And the Bible says here that, that God was so merciful that even the vilest city, and Nineveh was known around the world, but the vilest city he was willing to spare if Nineveh would turn to God. But he needed a man to go in and preach. I want you to know that God's needing some people to follow his call today. Amen, church. I'll say amen to myself. God needs people that will follow the call. Jonah runs from the call. So what does he do? He pays a fare to get on a boat down in Joppa and to flee from the presence of God. You can't get away from God. You can't hide from God. Go ahead and pull those covers up over your head. Think you're hiding from God. Listen, he'll snatch you right out from under those covers. Amen. How many know that God knows how to get our attention? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, Jonah flees from the presence of God. He should have known the scripture in Psalm 139, verse 8. He should have known the scripture that where can I go? This is on uh, Charles Lindbergh's tombstone on the island of Maui. My wife and I saw it there a number of years back in the 90s when we were there. And we were looking at his tombstone, but this scripture's on his tombstone. Where can I go to flee from the presence of God? Listen, you can flee to the depths of the ocean and you can't get away from God. You can run from, I'm telling you, there's somebody that's got the call of God on your life and you've been running from God and God's been trying to track you down and God's got a Holy Ghost preacher preaching to you this morning that's saying God's got a plan for you. God's got a will for your life. He's got a call on your life. Stop the running. Maybe you're watching online right now. Stop the running and run to God. Jonah runs away from the call of God and he thinks he's going to hide from God. And he gets in a ship. He goes down into that ship. He goes into the belly of that ship. But then when the storm develops, they come to him and he tells the, the mates, the shipmates, that he's running from God. They get scared. He said, they say, what can we do? Throw me over. They throw him over. He goes into the belly of the whale. But it, that's not the downward path where it stops. If you read the text, you read the book of Jonah, you see that the whale even went to the bottom of the ocean. It is a downward track when you run from God. I'm going to say that one more time. It is a downward track when you try to flee the presence of God. God had called, he loved Nineveh so much and wanted Nineveh to be saved that he was calling a man and the man was running. And I, I'm here with a message that, that first responders have got to answer the call. But first responders have also got to be the church of Jesus Christ that we've got to answer the call in this hour. Amen? That there's a lost world that needs to hear from the church in this hour. And Jonah's in the belly of the whale for how long? 
three days and three nights, Jesus used Jonah as an illustration. That's a sign that he used him as an illustration. In chapter 2, verse 9, Jonah in the belly of the whale on the bottom of the sea floor, he offers to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Now, he's about to come out of that whale. And I think there's some principles here that we need to look at. Number one, Jonah says, I'm going to pay God my vows. Maybe there's somebody that you made some vows to God at some point in your life. Do you know God has not forgot those vows? It's better not to make a vow to God than to make a vow and break that vow. Come on, church, say amen. If you've made a vow to God, God's still looking for that vow to be upheld in your life. Quit running from God and run to God. And so when he says, I'll pay my vows and I'll offer up thanksgiving, something became the catalyst for that old whale to get heartburn. And he spit him up. I'm telling you that God's wanting to, he's got an encounter with each and every one of us. And he wants us to follow the call because there's people that need to be saved in this hour. There's people that need to be reached in this hour. There's people that we need to have compassion on in this hour that are lost and headed into eternity without Christ. And friends, we've got the message of Jesus. Amen? We've got the message that changes a heart and life and gives them hope and, uh, and, and is the answer to what Nineveh needed. God was not willing to destroy Nineveh, so he's sending a preacher to go down there. And we need preachers in this hour that'll tell the truth. Hallelujah. We need preachers that'll preach the word of God, the truth of God's word, amen? And so he offers a, a thanksgiving praise to the Lord. And he says, I'll, I'll pay my vows. And then he says, salvation is of the Lord. I, I want us all to say that. Salvation is of the Lord. Hallelujah. I want you to lift your hands and I want you to give some thanks Thanksgiving, just like Jonah did in the bottom of the whale. Just like Jonah did in the bottom of the whale, he gave some thanksgiving to the Lord. Hallelujah. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The whale spit him up. He revisits the call of God. He goes into Nineveh, and Nineveh turns to God. The Bible says that from the king to the least, they all turn to God. Friends, I, I believe that national revival is still a possibility with God. He said, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see America emblazed in a spiritual revival, men turning to God in this hour? Amen. Come on, say amen. Now I want you to go back to our bedrock text in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. This good Samaritan stops Verse 30, it says, there was a certain man that went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jericho was a city of palms. It's a beautiful city and uh, about 23, 25 miles from Jerusalem. But it is also, when I was studying the passage this week and looking at commentaries, it is something that I have never read and Pastor Jordan had not heard this uh, until the early service, but it was also called a city of priests because of its close proximity to Jerusalem that many of the temple priests and Levites lived in Jericho. And uh, if you go with us to Israel in March, we will go by uh, Jericho there. And, uh, but it said in this historic setting, in the time of Christ, there could have been up to 10,000 priests living in the city of Jericho. 
and thousands of Levites. The Levites were people who served. And so there was a large contingency of priests and Levites as uh, this story unfolds. And uh, a priest that was headed home possibly after serving in uh, the temple, they had, they had uh, their periods of time of service. And after their period was time, oh, up, their number of weeks that they would serve, then they would go home. And so the priest is headed towards uh, Jericho and he encounters this man that's been beaten. He's been beaten by the thieves. He's been, he's been stripped and he's been wounded and left for dead. I want you to know the world around us is producing a lot of people that need, uh, need help right now, need the compassion of Christ. Amen? And the priest came by and he looks at it and he says, mm, I can't stop. I'm busy. I'm going on the other side. Religion will pass you by. Jesus will stop as a good Samaritan. Amen? The Levite did the same thing. The two spiritual leaders who I think typify religion, that friends, we need more than religion in America. We need a relationship with Christ. We, we need an encounter with Jesus. That's one of the, the four pillars of faith is that we've got to help people encounter Jesus because when people encounter Jesus, you live a whole different life than a religious person. Amen? And so the Samaritan stops by and the Samaritan of all people was hated by the Jews. The last person that should have stopped because of the, the Samaritan and Jewish background, they're, they're enemies. And yet the Samaritan was the one that stopped. The, Mer the Samaritan was the one that had compassion. And he bound up his wounds and he set him on his own beast. He poured in oil and wine and he took him to an inn. And he took, said, take care. And he paid the, the, uh, the head person of the inn to take care of him. And Jesus, in teaching this, he says, which one of them was the real neighbor? It should have been the religious leaders. It should have been the priest. We should be leading the way. I've always believed that ministry in a city and helps in a city needs to come first from the church. I believe the church should be the, the visible and principal entity that's trying to help make a difference We've got, a, we've got a wonderful city. Jacksonville is one of the greatest cities in America. And I'm thankful to be living in the city. And I believe, I believe there's something powerful going to be released from this city spiritually. But listen, there's a lot of hurting people in this city. And they need us not to be religious. They need us to be compassionate towards the lost. Compassionate towards the hurting. Compassionate towards the needy. Amen? That is what Jesus was identifying here. And... Uh, Jesus identifies, he said, who is the real neighbor? And then he says, go and do likewise. We're called in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, to love our neighbor as ourself. If we do that, friends, the church is going to look a lot different than it normally does. Say amen to that. The church is going to look a lot different if we're really going to love the world around us as our neighbor. Amen. We got to get our hands out of our pockets my dad, uh, he, he didn't like to see people walking around with their hands in their pockets. He'd always say, get your hands out of your pockets. You can't do a whole lot of good with your hands in your pockets. I, I want to tell you, the, the church needs to get our hands out, and we need to help people. There's a lot of hurting people in Jacksonville, Florida. And they need a church that is alive, a church that is well, a church that knows what the truth is. Amen? 
and we're preaching the gospel of truth that sets people free. Go with me to Mark, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 26. So a Samaritan answered the call. Jonah, because he got put in a vice, answered the call eventually. The Levite and the priest didn't answer the call, but Jesus answered the call. In Matthew 26, on the night that he was betrayed, he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane. And if you go with us in March to Israel, we'll go into the Garden of Gethsemane. It's one of the most powerful spiritual experiences to be in that garden and to be where Jesus prayed. And uh, Jesus prayed there. But what I want to point out is what he prayed because he first says in verse 39, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Listen, it is human nature for all of us to want to be ex out of the pressure of a situation, to not have to walk through difficulty and trial and persecution and difficult things that come against us. And Jesus knows, listen, he knew what lay ahead of him. He knew what he was about to experience. So what would be natural for him to pray is, Lord, let this cup pass from me. But he uses a word that I want everybody to repeat, nevertheless. That nevertheless meant not my will, but thine be done. I'm going to follow the plan. I'm going to listen to the call. I'm going to obey the call. Come on, church. Jesus knew what was ahead of him. And listen, the devil did not want Jesus to go to the cross. I can promise you. Think this through with me. The devil did not want the cross because there's power in the cross today. Amen. There's authority because of him going to the cross. I, I believe that all the times that we see in the scriptures and in, in the life of Jesus, the devil was trying to kill Jesus early on because if he could prevented the cross, believe me, he would have prevented it. But Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Hallelujah. Nevertheless. And so he follows the plan of God. Verse 42, Jesus knew what lay ahead of him. And all that Jesus suffered, all that he went through, he was providing salvation for you and for me so that, friends, we can spend eternity with Christ. Amen? Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. There's only one way you can get to heaven. Listen, after this life, there's heaven and there's hell. I know you don't hear that a lot of places, but listen, there's eternity following this life. Amen? Following this life, there is heaven and there is hell. And you've got to make, you've got to make your exit plan while you're still living. You've got to make your eternal plan of where you want to spend eternity. How many want to spend eternity in heaven? It's not going to be from running from the call. It's going to be from answering the call. It's going to be from following the call. Amen? It's going to be accepting Christ into your heart and life. That Jesus came and all that he went through, his whole life and ministry, was focusing on this time when he would be there and he would say, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. It was all focused on that one place where he would say, I'll, I'll do your will, Father. I'll provide salvation. Because that's how merciful God is. Amen? If he is willing to show mercy to Nineveh, 
which Jonah goes in and Nineveh turns to God and watch this. Imminent, imminent destruction was coming to Nineveh. But God saved the city and the city turned to God and it is recorded for over 100 years that they were spared destruction. But here's the, here's the human nature of mankind. After over a century, they turn back to their vile and wicked ways. What is it in the heart of man that we don't learn our lessons well? God spared them, and for one century, 100 years, the city became blessed, and it was a place of revival. It was a place of turning to God. It, was, it has a marvelous history during that time. But then they turned away from what had spared them. They turned back to their wickedness and vileness, and destruction came to Nineveh. It did come. It was about 125 years later that grave destruction came upon Nineveh. I want you to know, listen, the word has never changed for the gift of God is eternal life. Listen, if we'll turn to Jesus, if we can get people to Jesus, I'm here to declare that, friends, Jesus will save them. Jesus will come into their heart. How many are thankful that Christ came into your life and saved your life? Listen, we're products of grace. We're products of grace. Do you understand what we're saying? The grace and mercy of God, we deserved judgment. We deserve punishment, but I'm here to declare that God is a God. He's trying what we were seeing. I was loving that course. God is revealing mercy to this generation, and we live in a, a generation that is, that is uh, and I want the worship team to come back. Hallelujah. We live in the midst of a generation that needs the church to have compassion, to answer the call, to have the attitude that Jesus had that Jonah eventually had that we're going to show the good Samaritan had we're going to show compassion to a lost and a hurting world amen I do believe the church has the answer in closing Isaiah and I love chapter 6 I read a portion of this this morning in my devotions but Isaiah answered the call and when he had an encounter with God you know that's why the devil doesn't like people to encounter God in church. He wants it to be a religious function, a religious, because if you encounter God, things are going to change. If you encounter the presence of God, it can't stay the same. When Isaiah was in the presence of God, things changed. He immediately said, God said, who will go for me? And he says, I'll go. When you experience the presence of God, that's why God, the devil wants you to have a, a religious experience, an experience that's not going to move your heart uh, to a place of service. And, but when you experience God's presence and you really have a, what I call a throne room experience, when you get into the presence of God, you can't help but say, God, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll answer the call. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Amen. I want everyone to stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is 11.54, and the question is out. Will you answer the call? God is looking for people. You know, I remember when I received a call to ministry, and I remember where I was at, and I remember saying yes to that call. And I believe there's people that God's been speaking to you, God's been talking to you, and you've got the call of God on your life, and you've been running from the call. You've been away from the call. 
And uh, maybe it's not as bad as Jonah, but listen, anybody that runs from God needs to understand you're on a collision course where he's going to get your attention. And he's calling you right now to obey his call and to say, yes, I'll answer the call. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you know that things have not been where they ought to be with your life and you can get closer to Christ, if you know you can get closer and you need to get closer to Christ, I want you to raise your hand for prayer. All across this room, you know you need to be closer to the Lord. Come on. God bless you. God bless you. Up in the balcony, the galleries. Come on. Under the balcony. Yes, God bless you. You can let your hand down. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe there's been some things that you know you need his forgiveness in your life about. Maybe you've missed the mark. You know what sin is? Sin is missing the mark. And you know you need his forgiveness in your life. If you'll raise your hand for prayer right now. Just all across this room, you know you've missed the mark. Yes, God bless you. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe you've never been saved. You've never been born again. Pastor, how do I know? Oh, you'll know. If you've been born again, you'll know. Because the old passes away and behold, all becomes new. If the old hadn't passed away, then you haven't been born again. There's something that happens when a person gets born again. When they give their life to Christ. Amen. Out with the old and in with the new. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want everybody in this sanctuary and I want everybody online to repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I ask you to come into my heart and life. Forgive me of all my sins. I want to go to heaven. I want to answer the call. Help me to live my life for you and to follow the call. I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise offering right now. Hallelujah. We're going to sing the song, Worthy is the Lamb. And um, before we sing that song, every person that needs healing in your body, I want you to hold your hand up right now. You need healing. You need healing. Jesus, when you took those stripes upon your back just hours after the garden, you took those stripes, and the Scripture says in Isaiah and 2 Peter, with his stripes we are healed. And Lord, we release the healing stripes and their work over every person that lifted their hand, every person online right now that needs healing, that by his stripes, I want everybody to say this, by his stripes, I am healed. I appropriate God's word in my life. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, let's worship him together.
worship to Him. blessing and uh, all of our first responders you can be excused right now and slip on out and uh, they've got things set up for you uh, in the lobby and uh, you can see James and all of those that will be assisting out there but we're going to read the ironic blessing as we do every Sunday morning if you will lift your hands and this is our conclusion and the Lord spake unto Moses saying speak unto Aaron and unto his sons saying this is how you will bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee, and the Lord keep thee, and the Lord make his face to shine upon thee, and be gracious upon thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, and give you peace, and they shall put my name upon their children. So you put the name of the Lord upon your families, and when you do, God says, I will bless you. You. Come on, let's shout a big amen to the Lord. Let's sing that one more time. You're dismissed. Be back tonight at 6 o'clock.